Is it? Th- th- it's only women. The Trojan horse. There's no yeah. fat men. The fifth column. That's right. Column, column, column. There's no fat men mannequins. Yeah. And also, like all this inclusivity that you see in, you know, I, I don't get exercised by this. I speaking of exercise, they don't get exercised <laughs> either. Um, <laughs> I don't get exercised by this stuff. It's not an issue. I don't care. Whatever you want to do, I don't give a shit. I'm not. Yeah. Like it's when people say that it's there's no difference and it's just as healthy. That's when I'm like, okay, that's not right. But um, it, it is weird, is it not, that the cover of Men's Health magazine is just going to be like guys with ripped abs. And I feel bad about my body every day. And um, I'm not, I don't, I'm not dying for representation on the cover of magazines I don't buy. But um, it's, it is kind of odd, isn't it? That you don't see ugly male bodies. It's wrong. Because everyone everyone agrees it's just gross. (laughs) When men are like, get like (laughs) C cups and are like waddling down the beach. Nobody wants to see that. I think we should clarify here. What's happening here for anyone listening is we are not fat shaming people in general. We're suggesting that it's a little odd that there is so much sexism in marketing mm. and that yes. men are are permitted to be fat shamed and are disregarded if they're out of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, but that women, you promote this this other different image of them um, you, who even when they work out apparently can't really attain their body goals or body goals. What was the Lizzo more, show more called? Now. Um, Make way for the watch, big ladies? Watch out, watch out for the big girls. That sounds there's like a, a horror show. Watch a, out. A song. <laughs> Coming after there's you. There's a song. Watch there's out for the big well. girls. You know, she Coming has up a, from behind she the bushes. Sh- she, has a shape, <laughs> she has a shapewear line called uh, Yitty, which is actually, oh. again, very odd. Like Her shape is supposed to be fine, but she has a shapewear line, which is, you know, shapewear are the very tight garments that you wear to keep everything a little tighter so that you can squeeze into that dress and it will look a little better despite the fact that it's, you know, larger. You just sent a link to this, by the way, and yeah. the homepage of Yitty, there's yeah. like a an animated, I'm not going to say GIF, it's a GIF, animated <laughs> GIF um, of these three women yeah. um, in their like shape. And they're all, yeah, they're panning across and they're all taking selfies. And it's like, yeah. there's, so, there's so much in that photo. Yeah. It's like an art historian describing like a Matisse painting. I'm like, there's a lot... It's happening here with the 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 body positive like I want to show it to everyone it's on the phone it's it's a very odd thing yeah I don't care about any of that stuff and I'm like I'm not like there's all these people on Twitter like mad they're all mad about 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 the big stuff I first of all I'm just surprised by it yeah and second of all I want make way for the big boys. Or watch out for the big boys. Like literally, I just let's. I don't when, think when that is would it be our turn. Yeah, yeah. When is it our turn? That's a good question. That's a good question. When it, like Brendan Fraser has done a lot. Yeah, for the, yeah. For oh my god, his his comeback yeah. is a movie called The Whale. Like, yes. Are you kidding me? That's offensive. This is, this is wrong. Yeah. Would they would they do that to Lizzo? Would they cast her in a movie called The <laughs> The Whaleette? No. You wouldn't no. do that. Yeah. No. Like yeah, the, the Shamu the or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. You can't do that. Woman King. The Woman King, which yeah, is on Netflix is... now, people. If you yeah. did not see oh. it in the theater, you can watch The Woman King. 
um, okay. on Netflix we, right we, now. We know of new methods of attack. Yeah. Subject line, I took Moynihan's advice, mm-hmm. and now I'm married and pregnant. Wait, wow. did I tell it? No, 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 Alma. I said, I'm going to get you pregnant. God damn, these people don't listen. That's not what I said. Whoops. Boys. Oh, goodness. A little, over two, a, little over, a little over two years ago, I rode in with a dear Abby for Michael. I'd started dating yeah. a great guy who was smart and kind, but I was spooked when he revealed to me that he'd been on antidepressants since he oh, was a kid. Oh, I remember this. I remember this. Yeah. Michael, Matt, and Nancy weighed in with advice amounting to give him a chance after using the French rule to confirm that he wasn't too young for me. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, Michael cautioned that I should keep an eye out for any proverbial video games he could be hiding. Yeah. yeah. But it was a good sign on net that he was upfront about his meds. Well, there were no video games, just mm-hmm. lots of esoteric history books. Oh, God, she's found a Moynihan Jr. By the way, this is exactly what Scott Ritter's wife said. <laughs> that's terrible we got married we got married last august got pregnant immediately because why not and just this month celebrated his successful tapering off all of prescription drugs job something very accomplished gradually and under careful supervision yeah he's also off all his drugs so see i'm just saying (laughs) i'm just saying it is you know huzzah Uh, (laughs) <laughs> our, our communication is seamless and we've never had a fight so jokes on me the guy on mood stabilizers has given me the most uncomplicated stable relationship i've ever had wedding photos attached and they're absolutely darling oh, alma man. congratulations and yeah. dude awesome that's just we celebrate yeah, no. we celebrate marriage and we celebrate childbirth here we do that yeah on, this on, is this is a trad podcast <laughs> no no uh no antidepressants and please make a lot of babies my name is so Rob Amory and welcome <laughs> to the fifth column. Um, also, no, also only raw meat diet. That's the yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. You eat raw yeah, meat, yeah. you live forever. Yeah. And you, you have to live health. in Jordan Peterson's menstruation <laughs> shed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh my God, thing. it's out there in Ottawa. Um, <laughs> no, congratulations on that. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm also glad to hear that he's uh, tapered off. It's really hard to do. That is a really, really hard thing to do. I've done it, yeah. and um, it was not easy. And um, if anyone doesn't know what this is uh, like, just Google the zaps, oh. which is this feeling that you get when your your brain is trying to process things without the previous drugs, and you get these kind of zap feelings in your fingertips and stuff. And it's really, really difficult. Um, and I'm glad that's I, that's a, another great uh, story of people coming to we need to do like a large long form like meta study of all the other studies of the fifth column um <laughs> unions and like how well they they lasted because all of them are falling apart this one seems good yeah. though you know i, I, I i'll I like do some one. i think i'm gonna do some field research in long beach uh, at a shabbat dinner uh on uh, no there you go uh, well uh, there's a, probably a lot oh and by the way i should say alma longtime listener i was shooting something in her neck of the woods and um, she said, here's a bar that I go to and that I like in this town uh, that shall remain nameless. And I went with my crew to this uh, bar in this town. She was not there, but uh, the waiter came over at some point and said Alma had paid for all of our food and drinks. Uh, oh, so isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Just an incredibly nice person. Raising and now an incredibly nice people. pregnant lady. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice job. When you get off the um, antidepressants, 
Yeah, it's love, the fucking- you love fucking. It's yeah. You love it so much. <laughs> when you're on them, you're like, I don't know. I'm not so interested in that. <laughs> baby Camille, I'm looking forward to uh, to meeting. Uh, we haven't had a baby Camille yet. It's it's about time. Someone wrote recently and said they might. That's true. Yeah, we did get that. We talked yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, this, this story is a little bit less happy, but oh, it's no. a funny email, at least. This comes from Brennan. Um, the subject line, because you guys are writing some pretty good uh, subject lines, uh, racial battle fatigue following house fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Greetings, gentlemen, and also Foster and Welch. There's a spin Exactly. On exactly. Wow. That's weird. F- finally, finally, someone's got it's it. Opposite, opposite day. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Bizarro <I'm>, Superman. <laughs> uh, so I'm working my way through some Patron as I type this. I mm. subscribed for a while now. Thank you. But I believe this is my first email. Who knows? And I understand that intoxication is preferred. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty good reason to drink other than writing to you all, because my house burned down this past Sunday. What? It's a long story, but basically my downstairs neighbor put out a cigarette on some trash she let get quite literally ankle deep on her porch, oh, and 20 minutes later- That's almost, some hillbilly shit right there. So the absolute hillbilly <laughs> shit. Wow. And 20 minutes later, almost everything I owned went up in oh, flames. Oh, man. That sucks. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but unfortunately, that includes the cunty moron who started the fire. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't see that the first time around. That's good. Uh, anyway, this all happened right before I had to take a trip for work. I'm a criminal defense lawyer. We got a lot of those. And my office sent, uh, sent us to this mostly good conference in Monterey. So far, it's been not that bad, but I just listened to the one weirdo lecture us all about all the usual crap, privilege, microaggressions, etc. However, one term I'd never heard before that he used is racial battle fatigue. Mm. You could be excused for thinking it is somehow related to actual post-traumatic stress, but apparently it just means that all people of color are constantly at risk from what I can't quite tell you, but I assume it is quite silly. And so they basically all suffer from PTSD. (laughs) I I think that used to be called post-traumatic slave syndrome, but for whatever reason, it never caught on. Uh, My job gets kind of (laughs) dark and the people in it usually develop a lovely gallows humor and have a low tolerance for lecturing busybodies. But at the end of the speech, this guy put up a QR code for people to connect with me on social media Like 45% of the room at least pulled their phones out at that point. But I'm just going to choose to believe that a lot of them just thought it would be good for a laugh. (laughs) So Mm. basically, my house burned down. I went to California for the first time in my life. And I listened to a painfully mediocre guy explain how racial groups experience trauma. I'm pretty sure a group can't experience anything. (laughs) Only individuals within a group can. But also, I'm pretty drunk by now, so don't take my word for it. (laughs) That trip to California seems worse than the house fire. Yeah. Good Lord. Well, she's living above ankle-deep trash gal. I mean, maybe it's time for change. What shitty law firm are you working at in that apartment? Come on, man. He's a defense attorney, so he may work for the state. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe Uh, quit that job. Uh, (laughs) Brennan writes, P.S. My husband and I have a disagreement about who is hotter, Michael or Camille. I won't say what. Honestly, 
If no. That's not a debate, okay? Yeah, no, it's me, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. Camille has some sort of racial PC- PTSD right now, <laughs> and he's like, "It's it's got to be me." It's it is he's me. Like crying. No, it's not racial you. PTSD. What yeah, you yeah, that's what he was talking. Well, that's what he was talking about. He went to the the California meeting, and they were like, everyone <laughs> right. from Jamaica. I don't have that though. Yeah, you I do. don't have that at all. No, your PTSD is making you think that you're the hottest guy on this podcast, and you are I'm wrong, just my friend. Thriving, <laughs> constantly thriving. That's what that's what that's what's so attractive about me is my profound so- sense of self confidence and my my thro- throbbing self esteem. Um, it it, uh, can, can, it's, it works really well in fourteen year old girls, Camille. So it does. I tell you what, I tell you what, but I'm never going Man. to prison because I will never. I will always tell them to stay in school and stay away from me. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I should you- say, Brett, before you, th- this oh. is an important last sentence uh, from Brennan. I won't say what my vote is, but I think Matt should be the tiebreaker. No, no, I don't yeah. know how that works. How does that work? He definitely is drunk. Uh, <laughs> oh, Matt has to decide which one of us he's, he wants, he likes <laughs> yeah. best. The, an- the, the answer is handsome. Obvious. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Me. You've always had a thing for it's, me. It's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, uh, I don't, it sounds like he's been a listener for a while, but I'm confident I've quoted the Milton thing uh, from Paradise Lost, Lost before, where he says, uh, the mind is its own place and can make in an, in itself a hell of heaven and a heaven of hell. Like, that is the, the rea- that's at least half the reality. I think the other half of the reality is Baldwin when he talks about the gates of paranoia. And it, this is in The Fire Next Time, where he describes Black people as, at some point, having suffered all sorts of awful things. And he's writing in the 1960s um, uh, or 1950s, I think, which, which, which fire next time is 19 late 1950s or early 1960s. I don't remember. One of the I two. would guess 1961. But. Um, but, but, you know, he talks about black people having suffered all this much and at some point losing the ability to differentiate between a real and an imagined injury or harm and at some point losing even the inclination to try and differentiate between real and imagined harms and not being not being aware that they have done this. And at that point, the gates of paranoia close on you. And to the extent anyone is talking about some, some post-traumatic slave syndrome that they live with, I mean, that's what that is. Uh, and it's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking to imagine living that way. Um, and it's even worse to see people actively trying to inculcate that sort of paranoia into children like that is destructive and unique in profound ways to see places like success academy um the the once wonderful um and celebrated charter school charter school program um that has served so many urban kids who were in circumstances where they did not have access to credible um, public schools that might actually give them some some legitimate opportunities um, and to be well-served in these other schools that used to be referred to as no excuses schools um, for them to retreat from that because they how could they possibly hold young black children to those standards knowing all of the discrimination and racism they faced? We have to think about them differently because they can't really be expected to achieve. It's grotesque. So. I sent you guys a screenshot yeah. of a tweet. Um, there was a quote from somebody that was on MSNBC today. I sent this probably a couple hours ago. And it's related to this because it's, um, you know, about uh, trauma and the PTSD that mm. an entire group can can suffer. This is a quote from somebody called Marissa Renee Lee. 
And this is a quote from her on MSNBC. And it's a rather dramatic one. I liken mm-hmm. racism to another form of grief. I grieve simply knowing that this is that this country was not made for me. This country does not want me. This country is filled with institutions that not only don't value me, but if I'm not careful, they could destroy me. Now, I had never heard of Marissa Renee Lee, so that seems a bit hyperbolic. Um, mm-hmm. And by a bit, I mean wildly so. It took me all of you know, 28 seconds to figure out that she's the author of a new book called Grief is Love that is published by Hachette, uh, <laughs> one of the biggest publishers in the country, probably with a pretty good advance. She's on television, Grief on is an NBC, <laughs> and an NBC network, uh, the country that hates her, doesn't want her, and tries to murder her and dispose of her. And she says the institutions, that institution, by the way, according to her LinkedIn page, includes Harvard where she went to undergraduate, um, mm. and then a stint in the Obama administration, uh, and then various other things, including, you know, ultimately having a major uh, publisher, publisher book. In any world that wasn't 2022 America, th- th- a host on a show would push back and say, well, wait, the, no, none of the institutions of this country want you. They actively hate you, and they're trying to destroy you. How you could say that in 1935 as a Jew in Nazi Germany, in which it was codified into law that the society hated you and the institutions rejected you. It was in law. You mm-hmm. could not, you know, uh, become a professor. Professors of, Jew- of Jewish instruction were fired, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You couldn't intermarry. That was banned. Um, you couldn't do, you know, a, a whole host of things. Think of it. It was codified into law and banned. That is a country that doesn't want you. Now, it would have been very odd if a Nazi publishing house was publishing Jewish writers and then letting them into their most prestigious schools and into the pages of their most prestigious journals, such as there was a prestigious journal in that hell, hell of a country. But it is very odd in this, in this, you know, this idea of trauma and constant PTSD. Be- is 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 just kind of repeated like a mantra. It's like it's this rote recitation now, and it lives independently of all your major successes and achievements in the culture that you say wants to destroy you and hates you. Is that not odd to anyone? If someone says that and they're on TV and they've got coal dust on their face and they've just were you know pulled out of a mine and they're making eight dollars an hour, no one cares about their safety and no, they you know no one's cared about their families for generations and the government isn't you know helping them in the ways that they wish they would. Um, okay, you have a point. You went to Harvard. You're on television promoting a book. In the premises that everybody wants you destroyed. It is just the bizarre world that we live in, I have to say. It reminds me how far things have gone from 2008, I believe it was, when Barack Obama either won the presidency or the Democratic nomination. Michelle Obama had a comment that a lot of people were mad at and still will bring it up or would. Um, was that something to the effect of this is, you know, for the first time I was proud of my country. Yes. And yeah. people were like, What? Yeah, yeah. You, you I thought you were that. gonna. I thought you were gonna say the thing that she said on sixty minutes before he won, where she said Barack could get shot going to the gas station as a black man in America, mm-hmm. which is or win two terms and have a podcast <laughs> with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> you take your pick. <laughs> and a huge I mean, Netflix deal. Yeah, <laughs> she, <laughs> Netflix deal. <laughs> she is the the most successful author 
uh, and the most, I think, um, uh, has the highest approval ratings of any female in public. Mm. Yeah, that book sold an extraordinary number of copies in an era where um, hardcover books, I mean, this includes Kindle too, but the hardcover sold, I I can't even remember the number, but it was astonishing and stayed atop of the bestseller list for, I mean, years, years, multiple years. And the people, you cannot, it's what people used to talk about hip hop music is that, you know, this cannot be sustained financially only by kids that can sing the lyrics to these songs without fear of, of being arrested or canceled or, or, you know, have a, have a NHL deal go down the tubes or something. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Right. So it has to be pretty much everybody. Now that is a really common, nobody even talks about that because, you know, Rihanna at the Super Bowl and, you know, Beyonce, yes, queen. And everywhere we look, it's just kind of accepted. That's just, yeah, of course. But in the nineties, it was like a novel thing. Like in rappers used to point it all the time is that white people are my, my customers. They're the people who are buying this and making me super rich. Mm-hmm. Literally, people say this all the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember the NWA saying this too. And, you know, that was before there was a prohibition on the people who bought their music saying the name of the band that they're buying, which you cannot do. You can buy it, but you can't say who you're buying. You have to use the acronym. <laughs> so you don't use the acronym you might have spent the money to buy the record, but you're you're never going to play for uh, the Toledo Mud Hens. <laughs> although, although, although there's a video of um, of uh, Easy E talking about um, white kids saying nigga, and Easy E didn't care. Yeah, he didn't care. He didn't give a shit. He has a lot of things he didn't care about. Yeah, yeah. well, safe yeah, sex. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> being one of them. Two. Um, Soon. Uh, yeah, too soon. No, do we have enough time for? A, it's been a while. Do you have enough time for a, a Nazi? Question? <laughs> Actually, that's not too soon. At all. Uh, um, yeah. Sure. All right. We, 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 we know of new methods of attack. All right, you cheapskates and freeloaders. It's about enough free stuff for you. You know the deal. Uh, we've done this a couple times now. You get a sample from us on the Substack one, the subscriber-only edition, and I assure you. This uh, episode only gets worse and more hideous and offensive. So sign up over at wethefifth.substack.com and uh, it helps us out quite a bit. And also, you know, if you sign up now, this is 153, is that right? There's 152 other episodes for you to listen to. Why are you not doing this? Are you subscribed to other boring podcasts instead? Unsubscribe now. And go over to wethefifth.substack.com. All right, so we'll see you next week on the Substack because you just subscribed, right? Right?